Welcome to There Is More To Our Story podcast, brought to you by Salty Gathering, a non-profit research house, event space, magazine, and now podcast. It is here we get to share the voices of Indigenous leaders, medicine women, knowledge keepers, academics, researchers, activists and speakers contributing to this knowledge weaving space, gaining a better understanding of who we are, where we have come from and where we can go to next. You can join us deeper inside of our Soul Seed House. Here we are providing the most comprehensive library of deep feminine and earth-based knowledge, inviting people to become the researcher of their own stories, their own lineage and their own ancestry, radically shifting the academic model of researchers going to study other people as outsiders. You can also join us for one of our events. We have a traveling yearly gathering that moves to a new country and culture each time by invitation. We'll be returning in the fall of 2021. You can also join us for one of our events, our retreats here in Costa Rica called Medicine is Our Nature. All information will be shared first for Soul Seed House members, but keep checking back to the website for all updates. And if you'd like to become a supporter of this work, then consider joining our Patreon community for as little as a dollar a month. You can also support by one-time donation directly on the website or consider becoming a Patreon Bloom Fund member. It is here you get to contribute a substantial amount to a research focus theme country or culture a place where we need to bring greater awareness to and a place that is usually underfunded we're so incredibly honored and grateful for all the support we've gathered on this journey so far my name is hannah ruth dyson founder of salty gathering and i'm so excited to embark on this journey together with you let's begin Hello and welcome to episode one of the There Is More To Our Story podcast. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest. We have Gogo Akaya Asima, an incredible Sangoma priestess, medicine woman, healer, and a beautiful friend of the project Salty Gathering. We recorded this conversation nearly a year ago now, and it was really loved within the Soul Seed House, where it's been um, accessed by all of our members. So, um, yeah, it still feels as relevant today as it did then, and we explore so many important topics um, that we love to go into in this project around ancestry, dreams, uh, shadow side of spirituality, how to connect authentically to a lineage, to our practices, and yeah, and in part two, which you can discover within the Soul Seed House, if you want to join, uh, we go deeper into mental health also. Gogo Akaya Asima um, was featured in the film Crazy Wise, which I personally recognize, uh, recommend to as many people as I can because it's a really transformational film. Anyone who suffered from anxiety, depression, felt... Uh, like an outsider to this modern world, this society that we live in. Uh, this film is very important as it explores different cultural viewpoints of mental health. And Gogo Akaya Sima's uh, journey is 
really powerful, you know, from going, um, being submitted into mental institutions, being um, heavily medicated and really um, feeling pretty, I think, lost and just really um, let down by this system and this world to them being discovered and acknowledged as a Sangoma priestess is such a powerful uh, transformation in her life to now be such a beloved healer and so forth um, is, yeah, just a miracle. So um, it's really important to share that and to know about uh, this side to her journey. Again, if you would like to know more, join us within the Soul Seed House. And uh, I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Please subscribe, share with friends and let us know what you think. We'd love to uh, be part of this conversation with you more. Hi and welcome to the There Is More To Our Story podcast. I have the absolute honor of speaking to Gogo Ekaya Asima today, an incredible Sangoma priestess, uh, mental health advocate, mother, um, like I think all of us, we wear many hats, so... Uh, it's just a, um, a scratch at the surface, I think, of Gogo Akaya's amazing work. But uh, yeah, I had the absolute um, pleasure of meeting Gogo Akaya in Guatemala in the first ever Salty gathering um, that we that we had, and that was um, such a beautiful memory for me, such a beautiful time. So I always um, yeah hold that meeting really dear my heart and. Yeah, I really say, because I, in particular, uh, I think just coming from the UK, um, have this inner cynic in my mind and this sort of academic upbringing and and background. Um, But when I, actually, when I first met Gogo Tule, who is how we met, um, it's just this meeting with um, a medicine woman where... I mean, every spiritual experience, I feel like it it just drops further into my mind of, you know, what is real. But then uh, meeting Gogo Tule and then meeting Gogo Ekaya and and then together, (laughs) it's like undeniable the, um, just the, the, the power, the spirit, the connection, the ceremony, the ritual. It's like, you can't, there's no denying it. And that is really always important for my for my mind when um, I like remind myself this is where I come from and then I uh, I start to yeah gather all these experiences and really yeah understand that there is more to our story so thank you so much for joining this go- uh, conversation Gogo um, thank you Ikaya, so much for I just, having me yeah thank you so much for having me Hannah <laughs> Um, yeah, and I just the topic of this um, podcast is it's a rather big one. There is more to our story, this concept. And I wonder um, if there's anything that comes through to, for you with that sort of title. Is there anything since childhood, since your sort of initiation into the Sangoma tradition or um, any other part of your journey that has really shown you that there is more to our story? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So I I just when you asked that question, a couple of memories kind of flooded back in my childhood. Um, I was always a very spiritual person. I felt like um, connected in some way, whether it was like going outside, um, playing at the first of spring 
and um, connecting with the dandelions that were emerging and um, and just feeling really connected to the earth and um, all of its bounty. Um, and I, I also definitely had spiritual experiences. So my mother was a pastor's daughter uh, in a Christian church in the Christian format. And um, I would always go to church and have all of these questions and and uh, things asking the teacher in Sunday school, like so many things. And they would not answer me most of the time or or, uh, you know, uh, think that I was a kind of a nuisance for asking so many questions. Um, and in terms of like the spiritual experiences that I remember having were sometimes very intense dreams. Um, I had dreams of people that I didn't know, some that I did. Um, and I could see some of those dreams like coming to pass uh, later on as I as I went on in life. So that was definitely one thing was the dreaming space. Um, uh, the other part of that was when I would go to sleep um, at night getting ready for for bed, I would get into the bed and I would always feel my bed like trembling, um, almost shaking. Um, wow. And and then I felt like that I the whole bed was spinning and I was just spinning in like a vortex. And I remember this would happen repeatedly night after night. And I thought it was normal. I never told anybody about it, but I thought that it was a normal thing. And that's how people got to sleep. And um, later on in life, I, I recognized that as a part of traveling uh, in the dream space, traveling in spirit realm and um, recognizing that part of me was awake, but the spiritual part of me was already entering into the medicine of the dream. Um, so for me, mostly it was the dreaming. Um, and I also had different experiences like in church um, that were very uh, interesting and and entering into trans states um, when I was around spirituality or uh, in the church setting. So those things um, happened a lot during my life as a, as a child and and I can see now, sitting on this side, the connection to who I am now and what was happening as a as a child. Mm, it just got chills. It just it brings back. Yeah, likewise, in my childhood, I had so many dreams and so many. Yeah, also those kind of experiences, where, and I think everyone does on some level, where but somehow we shut them down or it's not. Um, a part of the conversation and more and more I have been able to learn about indigenous groups around the world and this kind of practice about speaking your dreams and there being vital information for communities it's like I mean wow and and again what I love so much about meeting with you because my work had been um, traditionally with indigenous groups who are very much in their set and setting sort of in the in the place where a long lineage of their ancestors have lived. Um, and then to meet you and Coco Tule also and to see this sort of walking between the worlds and having grown up in um, the quote-unquote modern world, uh, is there, how has that journey been for you? I mean, I think it's such a gift, of course, that you were able to um, discover the Sangoma tradition. Um, is that any way? Um, is that in any way connected to your ancestry? Also, have you been able to look at your whole lineage in any way? 
Yeah, thank you for asking that question. Unfortunately, the only way that I have connected um, to my ancestors beyond my parents and my grandparents is through the the dream space, through spirituality and that sort of thing. Um, I did some searching, some searching um, back then and had some conversations with family some years ago. And um, unfortunately, the buck kind of stops uh, because there's not a lot of uh, information that was out there at the time in terms of like the African-American experience with ancestors coming over from Africa, getting here, being a part of different plantations um, through slavery and all kinds of different things. And and a whole gamut of information was kind of missing and lost. And so I found myself getting stuck every time in terms of like trying to get beyond what the just the the grandparents and even the stories within my family um and you know people not sure who their father was and just different things you know so um for me my connection to spirit my connection to dreaming my connection to this other world that we're speaking about really honed things and was it able for me to access ancestral lineage in a way that um, has just been so beautiful. So I absolutely connect my ancestry to uh, West Africa and also South Africa. Um, and sometimes those stories come up in the dream space, which is so beautiful. And I meet grandparents and and people that, you know, it's like, I know that they're my family. I know that I've seen them before. I know that I walked with them before, had conversations, talked to them. And when they come back into my dream space, it, it allows me to fill the gap, so to speak, in terms of that that missing piece, those missing pieces um, where the information, the logic, all of the, the paper trail is not always there. But we can also have this beautiful access within spirit. Mm, and that is, I mean, the greatest gift, because even with a paper trail, um, we don't get to know that much about the ancestors as people until we are able to perhaps access um, those sort of dream time spaces or also if stories are carried on down the lineage, that would be um, the most beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, I also, in my in my lineage, I also felt potentially my grandparents were quite disconnected from their original earth-based traditions but then I started to look at small things like small things just around gardening or cooking um, and different like stories that were sort of shared or passed down and um, these tiny clues are so interesting in like I right before my grandmother died she told me um she would find she would seek out the medicine woman in every village and I was like what are you what are you talking about yeah it was such a interesting moment because I had no idea she was connected to herbal medicine or in any way um that kind of that kind of stuff so yeah I have you do you have any sort of um like things that are passed on still from uh, Africa, from, yeah, that home. Yeah, it's so interesting that you talk about your grandmother and the stories and it, it, and just 
to know that your own grandmother told you about seeking shamans in different communities or the herbalists is almost a mirror of what you do. And you can kind of see how that that connection within your DNA, that memory is also inside of you. It's just so beautiful. And I have a very similar experience where uh, my grandmother, and this is long after I became a Sangoma, I didn't know much about my grandmother. She died when I was about six or seven years old. And um, recently, in the past year and a half, I was talking to some of my relatives, cousins, and they told me how amazing that my grandmother mother was. And sometimes, often, very um, the family didn't understand because they were also Christian. And she would do things and have people come to her house and help um, like do certain rituals. And it seemed very magical in terms of like what would happen in those spaces. And they always and they always thought it was like um, just. Like it was extremely magical in terms of like what would take place when she had these people over. And there was this ins- uh, this instance where they talked about how she would help people that um, like had um, heavy energies with them and would take uh, take their socks and mix them with medicine. And then um, the socks would kind- would move and and out of the house, meaning the spirit of that energy would move out of the house as well. And so my cousins always thought like that was a magical story and also untrue, you know, Um, (laughs) unbelievable, you know. And uh, I thought, wow, like I didn't know that my grandmother did this kind of work. Like this is not someone that is ancient ancestry or so many generations back. This is root work that was happening um, just, you know, from my my father's mother. And I felt like so ecstatic and I had so many questions. And then about a year later, my grandmother came to my dreams and and I didn't have any intentions around it or anything, but she told me the story about the socks and how to use the medicine and what herbs to use, all the the whole ritual. And I was absolutely like flabbergasted, literally. Like, so it's it was just another piece of the story that says, hey, this wasn't just like my ancient ancestors. This wasn't just the ones that were back in South Africa or in West Africa. This was happening um, even though she wasn't, you know, uh, initiated into something or a bona fide priestess, so to speak, but she was in her own way. And there are these little stories about like how we, um, you know, they talk about putting salt at the at the windowsill or salt at the doorway um, for protection for the home. And people do this, you know, my mother would talk about it. Other people would say, oh, yeah, just sprinkle a little salt over there, you know. And it's a part of this 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 um, ancestry, this this healing work that has been done for generations. And it just seems like something simple, but not knowing that it's so totally connected to ritual and ancestors and a means for uh, protection and healing. So, yeah, I think it's really powerful. And I'm and I'm looking forward to continuing to learn um, about them in that way. Wow, that's so amazing. And I love, yeah, I love, it's kind of this um, detective work we have to do because a lot of 
this kind of practices or rituals or so on um, had to go underground, had to be hidden um, because a lot of fear and a lot of, um, yeah, persecution against these sort of practices. And then um, specifically the the feminine side of history, the uh, we know so little because it's being kind of disregarded and and. You know, even the way we still look at, um, even today, like housework or cooking or just um, this women-specific roles, it's seen as this lesser thing in society. And so um, there's a lot of, yeah, the even the, the magic or the rituals that are done in the everyday that can seem so simple, like you say, with just putting salt on the window, um, have this incredible immense power and it's so yeah beautiful to hear from each each person their their own little stories and things from uh their their yeah lineage it's so amazing so thanks for sharing that i yeah we were we were as women not only you know in my my mother's day or my grandmother's day you know the keepers of the home is a really important and amazing thing. And if we think about protecting the home and and um, that that's a really powerful role, you know, um, protecting mm-hmm. the space of the home, protecting the land, connecting with the land. Um, it's so it's so imperative, like learning how to be in the earth, learning how to garden, learning how to make your own food. All of those things were entrusted to definitely I can speak for myself, my a grandmother and mother and and my 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 mother having a green thumb and being able to cultivate things in her own front yard in the backyard you know um so all of these things had a really powerful and important role and if it wasn't done what would our lives look like so i give honor and gratitude to the maternal the, the feminine power mm-hmm. in that sense totally 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 and um yeah it's such it's it's so important i think just to speak to because um as we move into this collective future it's like uh really honoring all roles again and that's the one thing i think that we've gone up and down with with the sort of feminist movement is this understanding of um our sense of self and our role and and so forth but i think as long as it comes from a place of love and intention for us as individuals we um, and then we gain respect for it in our small circles and then also in the bigger um, society-wide just being um, seen as important and it you know with children as soon as as soon as I gave birth I was like women wow this we all like we all have the potential to do this and it's um this crazy thing that it's just treated as an you know as an everyday thing and it's kind of the most powerful initiation um we all have access to if we choose in this lifetime of course um is there um i you know my work is particularly connected to um medicine women um is the sangoma tradition is it is it more typically female Mm. um you know that's that's interesting when i first uh, went to south africa i didn't really know what to expect expect in terms of like you know whether it would be a masculine or a feminine um 
culture or tradition. And I'd have to I have to say that when I was there, it was so beautiful to see so many women leading the communities. Um, I, I, I even believe that generations back there was like sent the Sangoma tradition was very matriarchal. It was very um, led in the energy of the divine feminine. And what what I noticed in South Africa is that even the men that are involved in the tradition that are Sangomas, because it can be either male or female, and um, to know that that openness is there is just amazing and still to this day. Um, secondly, the men they they also embrace the feminine within them. So they, um, as the women go to the shrines or as the women go to pray, they wear like sarongs over them, um, but also do the men. So I see men walking around in skirts and and um, beautiful garb and necklaces and, and all of these things really embracing their fem- femininity, but also their masculinity at the same time. So there was not like this, this, oh, I'm a man and this is what it is. I must wear pants, this kind of thing. It was like, we are all together. And there are the aspects of masculine and feminine really blend there. And it's so beautiful. So when I was there, there's, when I grew up in the, the Sangoma tradition in terms of my initiation, um, I was in an all-women's house. My teacher, Baba Zanamavuza Yeye Gogonana, she's actually she's a woman, uh, and the, all of the initiates were women. So I never got to experience the, the masculine side of that until I went to South Africa. But I would say today it's still um, pretty predominantly a, a feminine uh, tradition. Wow. And right there, what you said is this, um, you have this theory that it was a more matriarchal society further back. I have that theory all across the world and I think there's evidence for it, but it's, um, it's interesting how it's, it's also been lost somewhat in the memory of people or in the memory of even indigenous groups where it seems male-led. Um, if you just do a little detective work again, you discover actually it used to be more um, like female-led or just potentially more in balance because it's never about the scale being tipped the other way. It just means this... Um, yeah, this balance. And this is an interesting thing as well, because uh, of course, when we talk about gender, there's a whole spectrum of gender. And um, this focus on women has really just been my own lens of who am I as a woman and uh, really missing missing those figures because everywhere I grew up hearing about, you know, male leaders, male priests, and then um, even in spirituality, hearing, hearing all the time about male shamans. So uh, just even seeing or um, learning and understanding that there are medicine women and women have had equal importance has been a really important, I think, part of this work and this journey. But yeah, and then I'm also highly aware that we, we're meant to be in balance, each of us. And um, you, when you connect to spirit, um, is it right that you also connect to male and female energies? So they also come through you in different ways. Sure. And and that goes back to the blending and just honoring both the masculine and feminine. Um, so during the process, you learn um, who is your guardian ancestor, um, who is leading the way in terms of your journey, 
who's the one that has chosen you, um, that is, that has been, uh, is passing the gift of the shamanic practice, the tradition, the rituals, the knowing, all of those things, who that is, it's one of the, the things that you identify um, when you go into the the initiatory process or right before. And um, my, my guardian ancestral spirit is definitely a masculine energy. And so it's interesting when we go into um, uh, to altered space states um, that the voice will change into a man's voice or that, you know, there's this, um, this masculine energy that also comes up um, as a part of the healing process and, and whatever ritual or ceremony that we're doing. And um, I see that a lot in, in, in South Africa. When I go, there are uh, women with masculine spirits that are leading. There are women with feminine spirits that are leaving and vice versa for the men. So um, when, you, when you're at a ceremony and you witness some of the Sangomas and a male might be up visibly, he looks like a male, but when he goes into a trance state, he's completely a woman. You know, so it's, it's really beautiful to witness that um, we can change into those roles um, as we connect to ancestors. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's so cool. And also just expands this whole perception we have on, in this, on this earthly plane of just always a binary, always this or that. And what are you? Please fit in. Because when we start to yeah, interact with, with all things, it's all like interconnected as well what I found um on my path I think having having experiences and having um this sort of journey through spirituality um but without a specific lineage for myself um but I also look out at the sort of collective right now and it's become such a explosion of um new age spirituality or people discovering different modalities and practices and uh so much of it I think is really beautiful and just um an amazing thing that we can even have these conversations today and it's more and more out in the open and at the same time I felt at times adrift or lacking um like uh, well, a lot of fear when I've experienced like intense trance states or like a loss of, um, yeah, a loss of my, like my s- space. I've luckily found ways to ground back down, but um, I think it's been a really important part, part of my path to meet um, like elders and to, to connect and to be seen. And then this accountability um, is so important. And uh, that's what I, I immediately recognize when I see um, you and, and Tule also, is just this, um, I guess, very grounded into your lineage and into your practice. What do you um, like observe when you look out at sort of what is go- going on right now? And um, is it, do you think everyone could benefit from finding their own sort of spiritual tradition um to stay connected to or uh yeah how do you see it when you look out yeah when i when i look out into the world in terms of us as a whole and as individuals connecting to our path and gifts that that viewpoint is so enormous and 
and just a, a wide range of possibilities to explore. Um, one of the beautiful things that I noticed about um, being in the Sangoma tradition is that most Sangomas, and I can't speak for all of us, are very open to other ways uh, for individuals to come to the process of healing, whether it's through earth-based medicine, whether it's through religion, whether it's through spirituality, whether it's through shamanism, or there's a mixture of both. I come from a, a spiritual lineage. My teacher is actually practice Buddhism. She practiced um, uh, the tradition in uh, uh, tradition in India. I don't remember the name right now. She practiced comedic um, spirituality with uh, the the ancient Egyptian spirituality. She practiced. Um, she also comes from the lineage of an Akan priestess of Ghana, West Africa, and also a Sangoma, and also Yoruba. So there's so many things. Like when I when I was when I first got to the the shrine house, it was beautiful to see her bringing in all of those different elements into her work. And honoring all of those different elements and still being grounded in who she was and, and, and strengthening who she was. So I see for the world, yes, we all have a spiritual path and where that is, whether that is your art or creativity or whether that is um, being an activist um, for the community in some way, whether it is, you know, bringing a business forward for the youth um, to participate in whatever um it is, it's the spiritual path doesn't have to be focused in on, you know, um, you know, just yoga, meditation, light work, crystals, and, you know, shamanism, and this and that and the other. It can be so many things. And so we give that opportunity for people to explore what that is for them. What We all have a medicine bag, so to speak. And I like to talk about this medicine bag as something that you see in the spiritual realm, um, uh, and that medicine bag has your destiny. It has your assignments and your tasks and all the things that you already agreed upon before you came into this life. And the goal for the healer is to help the person um, to be able to access their medicine bag, to open it up, to awaken enough to be able to see what's in it. What is my purpose? What has God put me on this earth for? God, God has put us on this earth for and how do I liberate myself in order to connect with this divine spiritual gift that's been given to me? So we're all gifted in some way. It's just how can we access our medicine bag and unblock some of those things um, so that we can absolutely have access to it in, in a profound way. Yeah, Totally. And that, I mean, that's what we're all really looking for, right? Is that finding that. And I'm, I'm grateful to have discovered my own sort of path on the earth my um, sort of apprenticeship and connecting just to really the seasons and the cycles and the weather and, and really interacting with that um, dream space. It's been um, so incredible. And then also on my journey, I've, um, I think, gone into a lot of interesting spaces where there's a lot of beautiful work being done. Um, and that could be with plant medicines or it could just be with meditation or um, sound baths or, um, you know, any modality really. But then I often have witnessed on my journey, and I like to speak about it because I don't think it's spoken about enough, uh, the sort of shadow sides, the 
people still using these tools to manipulate or to, um, like I had the experience where I was invited to this, um, it really set me on this path that I'm on now. Um, I got invited to the International Indigenous Gathering in Lillooet in Canada. And I had like a few just disturbing me experiences with um, like three different Indigenous men. And it was a really interesting, but it helped me expand my vision to the women because they were more in the background and they were less out in front. Um, but it really disorientated me because I was at the time very like young and just like looking at them like, wow, this amazing like, uh, you know, tradition and so forth. And then also in, uh, um, yeah, in the other circles that I've been in, just witnessing people mixing, you know, trying to um, take power or sex or I don't know, a lot of manipulation and stuff going on. Um, like, how... I'm not even sure what my question is, but that's what I, I kind of wanted to bring out. Yeah, I, I absolutely, it's unfortunate, but I've seen so many of these stories in terms of um, being either taken advantage of or just getting lost in the shadow vibration, whether it is by a community as a whole or a certain shaman or a priest or a leader of the community or, um, yeah, the community members themselves. And... I think it's important, one, is to always connect back to um, our integrity, you know, always con connect back to like, do that moral compass check in, in terms of like, okay, is this, is this checking out with my own moral compass? Um, I also feel um, that there, it's unfortunate. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people come, especially recently and say, you know, I've been to this person and, and, uh, and when I got into a healing session, like some really horrible things begin to happen. I begin to feel really uncomfortable. And that is, I think a part of our society is one, my friend call my friend calls this thing, um, that you're talking about, a uh, fatal attraction, almost like when you see the healer or the shaman, then you put them up on a pedestal, uh, which is the first wrongdoing, <laughs> right? We, we, we have to see ourselves as reflections of each other in everything. So even, you know, going to, um, with the elders, there's a certain amount of humility and respect that's always given. But at the same time, there can be that fatal attraction so that I uh, am remaining grounded and, and knowing that we are all mirroring each other in some way. And sometimes the shadow gets mirrored, right? For, for us to see something inside of us or for vice versa. And I feel like a lot of our society is has really been into the light and the love, which is so amazing and beautiful and powerful. We should we should continue to do that, but then we we begin to forget about um, the darker aspects. And in shamanism, um, in initiations, you have to go through that that those darker aspects. You have to be able to face that. And even after you do face those things, you have to continue to to want to see, you know, what that, that shadow side is like. Um, even in my journey, I'm still wanting to spirit to show me where, you know, what, where, what's hidden 
you know, um, what inside me needs to 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 be illuminated so that I can be a better service to uh, the community that I serve. And I, I feel like if you're not doing that as a community or as a healer, if you feel like you at some point you're getting you've you're at the stage where you have arrived, like my teacher would say, if you feel like you're at a stage that you have arrived, then there needs to be a checking in. You have to check yourself and you have to go back and say, you know what, what is what needs to be illuminated within me? Where are my shadows existing, even in my work, you know, and and how can I recognize that even when it does show up and then ask my students or ask the participants or ask my friends, you know, do you see this? Okay, how can we work on it together? How can I continue to grow? And I, I feel like the a part of that has been um, the ego and people taking in the limelight. And then they started off with probably really great intentions at first, but then they haven't um, done that other part is like meeting the, the darker aspects of us that always exist. We have to honor both the light and the dark. And um, I think there's not enough honoring of the dark spaces. And that's why it's, it comes out in such a, an ugly way sometimes. Mm, that's, so, that's so interesting and so powerful because, yes, absolutely. That's like, and that's been my experience through many different experiences and just practices and, and specifically with um, learning with indigenous peoples. It's always this humbling process and we are never, yeah, it's continuous work we're never done and really yeah honoring death and honoring that dark um yeah is so important and I've seen that also in how we create that distortion um as a you know people from the modern world arriving into indigenous communities and nearly like trying to put them on a pedestal or trying to create this um sense of self and then it all becoming warped in that in that space because yeah this is my understanding as well that in um traditional societies when we look back and also still today um the shaman or the healer or the seer or the priestess is one aspect of the group and all parts of the group are still important um they have high respect but still um they are not put yeah above which is a very odd place for anyone to be in in life absolutely yeah one of my uh one of my teachers now he's he's in Colombia and I watch him very closely because um he has such a balance in terms of the confidence and also humility in in such a powerful way and um I had the opportunity recently last year to visit um, the community there in Colombia, South America, and I saw how he engaged in his community and with his family. And he's like doing some really, really powerful work doing ceremony. And then on the other hand, you know, uh, he's cooking for us, you know, and he's <laughs> serving and he's on the grill barbecuing and, you know, he's just, you know, and it's just like, yeah, let's we have to understand that we're all humans. We're all striving for the same thing. <laughs> and and in communities uh, in South America and in South Africa, one thing that I always see is uh, we have this word called Ubuntu, 
um, which which demonstrates what community is about. It's it's like I see myself in you. I exist because you are. I am because you are. And um, and uh, Ubuntu is all about embracing community. And everybody has their their roles in the community. And then sometimes those roles are fluid and they begin to change. Um, and I and, and I feel like. Uh, when I when I visit South Africa, I see that the children are just important as the elders and mm-hmm. and all the people in between. We can't have a ceremony with just one person. It has to be everybody involved. And if we look at it that way, then I feel like our society would understand that um, that it's a mistake, you know, to put anybody on a pedestal, anybody in a place where it feels like you have to. Um, seek something that's not already within you. It, it's already within you. You know, it's like, how do we just embrace that? Mm. You, just, you just basically summed up the major dysfunctions of our society, the, the disrespect of elders, of children, um, and then separation of spaces and, um, yeah, and then hierarchy that's embedded all the way through from from school, from childhood, um, all the way through. And this creates such, um, yeah, it's such a thing we need to overcome and shift and transform. If I think we want to survive here on this earthly plane, we have to figure it out how to, um, yeah, bring this knowledge that we like have lived with for, um, all the way through our ancestry. Like, how can we bring that through? like today taking a short break from this incredible episode just to tell you about the deep feminine soul journey that is taking place within the soul seat house this year we embark on this journey february 1st and we're going to be traveling through rites of passages initiations moving through seasonal cycles and really coming together in community at this time. We're really uh, listening to the guidance from Laura and Lila and Ines, the three Shipibo medicine women in Peru, who remind us to focus on the light of our own path and to come together in right relationship with one another and community to really move through the chaos of this time. This journey is transformational. It's asking you to participate. It's inviting you to become an active member to contribute to this living library that we are building. And this is very personal and deep into the soul, into the collective, uh, stepping outside of ourselves again to find that right relationship. So if you are interested in joining us here on this journey, you can find us at soulseagathering.com forward slash house and then you can also read further about the deep feminine soul journey within that space let's get back to the episode yeah and is there do you have this sense of um, is it spoken at all with the Sangoma tradition of prophecy or of where we're going as a sort of collective? Mm-hmm. Yeah so in the Sangoma tradition there are many different uh the priestess have different areas based on uh, different areas of gifts, I would say, based on what their ancestors bring to them. So you may have had a guardian ancestor that was um, all about the muti or the herbs. And um, because of that, you work very well because that memory is within your DNA. You work very well with the herbs and you know how to fix certain things with just mixing these herbs together 
Um, there's other other people that um, have the gift of divining very well. So they may um, maybe not do herbs very well, but they can divine and help someone to um, see what's going on in the spirit room or what may happen. We also have um, a group of spirits that are are very connected to prophecy. Um, and some some people call these spirits Inzitumwa in spirits, and they are connected to prophecy. So uh, they help you to have visions or dreams, or they begin to speak to you and tell you what's going to happen. Um, so there are priestesses that navigate in the realm of prophecy very much. We have an elder Sangoma in our tradition, Baba Kreda Muthwa, who is a um, a prophet, definitely a prophet. Uh, and he gets information around like big events that are happening. Also, his wife is very much a Sangoma and also a, prof- a prophet. And uh, she has the ability to like locate water um, and, and prophesy about what's happening or what's going to happen in her community as well. So... Um, definitely prophecy is a, is, is a big part of our work. Um, some may have that gift and expound upon the gift like it's in the forefront and others. It may happen every so often, but definitely prophecy is there. Mm, so interesting. And um, that sense of time also can be different, right, than this linear concept of past, present, future. I'm aware that also... Um, this common theme of a different relationship to time, especially when you enter into altered states, is um, it's kind of everything is at the same time. So everything is all at once. So um, it's interesting also, like I'm just speaking from my own perspective of always thinking what is to come and where are we moving forward now and how is this changing because it's kind of already here with us that information um yeah how how is that how has that shifted have you have you shifted your perception of time as you've entered into this lineage yeah absolutely um you know especially when i enter into divination systems um unless i'm given a direct um a direct signal that it's for a certain time, things can be very much integrated, like you said. So uh, in a reading, there will be things that will come forward that was past or present or something to come. And it's just all in a big pool. And sometimes, you know, you'll get... um, Timelines. I really don't like to do timelines because I've kind of like lost that... um, sense of time definitely when you're when you're going into to trans states and and going into other realms so i would say in divination i definitely can um get uh how everything is integrated in terms of um and then also when we talk about like connecting with our past our past lives our past lives of ancestors and feeling like it's us and um and seeing things that you don't remember that's happening, but it may have been something that's going to come in the future. And I would say that you need time to allow those things to process and show up as to whether it is something that is sort of a prophecy or is it something that that has happened in the past. Um, one of the things that 
came up for me when you started talking about time is when I was younger, I had a dream about a very prominent person. Um, I'll go ahead and say the name, but it was, it was Bill Cosby. And in the dream, um, I was a little girl like, like Rudy, his daughter in the, in the movie or in the, in the show, the TV show at the time. And he was I was like dancing on his feet, just like she did in the movie. But then I saw this other aspect of like a lot of weird um, connection in terms of women, right? And I saw all of these kind of like abusive things, absolutely abusive things that were coming up in terms of Bill Cosby. And then I woke up and I was like, what? Like, that was so weird. I didn't understand it. And it was like, I was a little girl at the time. Um, and... And then later to see in the the past years that this has come up, I understood the dream even more around like what was happening, even though, you know, as a child, I was tuning into a shadow aspect of a possibility that that took place with him and, and these women in the community. And at some point when I got older, I also met him in person and had to work events with him. This is before everything came out. And it was just really interesting that there wasn't like a time I I thought at the time I just didn't understand how to like interpret it or understand it. But it took many, many years, like 20 years for it to come into fruition. So I think it's good to just be easy in terms of time. And and um, yeah. Wow. It's it's also just um, interesting, I think, how we can all tap into these knowings about people's light and shadow and of course our own but uh yeah this just paying attention and acknowledging our feelings and also just then also dreams i i also had those dreams when i was younger um and every now and again they they crop up again where i'll then walk into that dream as you mentioned early on and that that was kind of my first Um, recognition with this just internally like okay this is something I don't know exactly what it is and uh, yeah it's very interesting when we consider yeah some of the like real issues of this time like I I look out across the world I'm like wow what is this thing against women in particular this suppression this violence this um, sexual attack this holding down we must be (laughs) incredibly powerful and um, not uh, not supportive of these structures and systems to need to be held down to to be suppressed as um, yeah potentially more that wild nature that there's so much fear of in society Uh, do you believe that these like experiences that these this whole this whole thing that's going on you think it's um something that's very individual or personal and something that's collective equally and is it something that has a use in some way for us to to change or to wake up or it's very hard to speak about in terms of like morals and integrity when you're like some of the most difficult experiences can really awaken us or make us um bring us onto a path and I think I always have those questions in my head of just like uh, also as a child all the time like thinking about the wrongs of this world um yeah yeah I have this whole I 
idea in theory in terms of us as a collective like um what what i see is that many of us have agreed to come into this world to take upon certain task in terms of what's happening now and and this agreement was made so the agreement that i made before i came here and i had a, a pretty traumatic uh childhood um and it had to do with the abuse of masculinity the po- abuse of power with masculinity and going through those traumas if someone told me you know i don't know 20 years ago that that i agree to come in this world to do that i would think i would tell them that they're effing crazy and and there's no way you know but as i look at it more and more i can see how my higher spirit the one that is um the one that is in their is in their power the one that is knowing the one that is has a mission um we sometimes come into places that are disastrous we come into places to have an experience so that we can raise up collectively if i did not go through what i went through with the the um abuse his with the with the things that that men have done with the things that hey um family structures and the society has done in terms of impinging and on our power and instilling hey our our um uh, trying to take away our memory right to to steal our ancestral memory if i did not um have those experiences there's no way that i would be able to connect with others that are in the space where at the time that i was suffering to be able to support them you know it's like going to i you i have said it many therapists offices and it's like going to a therapist but they haven't been through anything they just know it because of the textbook and there's no way for me to really authentically connect with them because first of all they're not sharing their story and secondly you you already know it's like not the same background not the same experience and so there has to be this connection and i really feel like a lot of us have come we talk about like energies like star seeds and and different in the children coming up and already knowing and already just you know and it's like i feel like those people have come into this earth and decided that they're they're going to run they're going to be involved in a chaotic system a chaotic social system, a chaotic spiritual system, his things that are unbalanced because they come here as angels. They come here to help elevate help elevate to help people come to an an awakening, but they have to be able to do it themselves first. Um so yeah, that's my theory. That's so powerful and exactly what you said how we can really relate on a healing level to someone who hasn't experienced those things and then really being able to transform um well really use any of our experiences as our gifts to have greater compassion and i i think i i have that i i recently um experienced a miscarriage and that was in many ways one of the most healing experiences of my life it was really beautiful and it was a whole journey but it gave me instantly also with the pain of it and the the sadness and the loss so much 
greater compassion for how many female, like women's experiences um, are of that kind because it's so prevalent. And I was kind of, I was obviously aware of it, but kind of shut off in terms of the uh, really knowing what that is, what that is like. And so, yeah, I totally relate in that, that way. And just if we can use these experiences um, in that way, it also just helps on an individual level. So I always think about that no matter what theory we have or philosophy or life, what is the most useful really? And the one that is the most useful for me has always been um, helping others through my own experiences and understandings. Yeah, and that's that it's just now it's become your medicine. You know, it's like turning, mm-hmm. yeah, turning uh, some uh, very difficult challenges into now a medicine that you are able to 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 serve serve your community. So totally. And I and I specifically um didn't experience as far as I I know, didn't experience any physical or sexual abuse or trauma in my childhood and it would always but then I I look back and I felt traumatized by the society society-wide numbness and this also um aggressive masculinity that kind of is normalized as um authority and as um just the status quo and I also had I was also that annoying child who had all the questions for <laughs> for everything <laughs> but why <laughs> but why and I um yeah it's 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 really interesting when we when we look at things from different angles and different perspectives I find yeah this journey that we're all on the more and more we can hear one another's stories and this is what this project is all about also just to hear more from who I see as actual leaders of this time and people who are really um walking the walk and uh even just being fully humble to we are we are shadow and light and we are all still healing and I might be able to support you in healing, but that doesn't make me better or separate or so forth. So I, I gravitate to those to those people and I um, want to bring this conversation out more and more and more because I think we're still getting lost even with, like you said, you begin, and I, that's been a huge part of my own self, like questioning, like what goes wrong? Because I think a lot of people do start with the best intentions and then things start to warp and to shift and we lose ourselves. So to have a really um, strong community and sense of self, I think, is really important. And um, yeah, this journey, this journey, again, that we're all on, it's so, it's so interesting. And I am just so grateful, again, to have these conversations with um, someone like you, Gogo Akaya, like this thank you so much for for just being here with us and for for really um sharing your gifts and being outward because even though uh, it's safer at this time i think there is still um attacks going on and um judgments and um we also have this 
like society thing about not wanting to be weird or abnormal. And we're going to go deeper now um, also for um, the Soul Seed House, this topic of mental health, because I'm so excited to speak to you more on that. As um, if you don't know already, um, Gogo Akayazima is part of this incredible documentary called Crazy Wise. And I'm so grateful to hear your experiences with mental health and then to watch this film. I recommend it to pretty much every person I meet because uh, it's a huge crisis at this time. Um, uh, this mental imbalances and not having good conversations around it or it's evolving and it is shifting and there is a lot of beautiful work being done. But um, particularly with this indigenous lens of treating um, hearing voices or having um, what we would maybe call psychotic breakdowns in, in society as actual initiations or rites of passages or experiences that are, are also worthy and, and, and worthwhile hearing about, not just shutting out or, or containing or trying to numb or to medicate or to ignore and I think just even being able to have this whole conversation for me is liberating this whole conversation we've had because um, I still have that childhood fear of being abnormal, of being speaking about some of the stuff that I have experienced, but still feel, um, yeah, fear around that judgment and fear around um, and sensing also <laughs> the more and more I speak my truth, the discomfort and the fear it creates in people I meet. And also learning to just be okay with that. Um, before we move um, into this next topic, into the Soul Seed House, do you have any um, closing words or anything you'd like to share for the end of this podcast? Just, um, yeah, through this conversation. One thing that I do want to share is, um, you know, a little bit about rites of passage. Um, and how rites of passage is, is really, I feel like, missing in Western society. Um, we do things like, you know, there's a birth, there's, we give birth, that's a rites of passage. We have, um, we go from adolescence into adulthood, that's a rites of passage. We get married, that's a rites of passage. We die, that's a rites of passage. Um, and, and I noticed in indigenous cultures, and the more that I learn about things, there's a rites of passage that's done in a spiritual holding, in a spiritual space that helps us um, to know our purpose, to know why, what comes along with this rites of passage, what comes along with this transition in our lives. And I feel like a lot of times here in Western society, we're just walking around um, a confused a lot of times because we haven't been able to experience a really beautiful holding in terms of what it, it's like to come into motherhood. What it, what is, you know, and when you go to the rites of passage and you have these women around you and they're all telling you stories of their children and how they gave birth and all of these beautiful things. And those are tools that you take with you so that when you do move forward into motherhood, that it, it is just much more clear picture. Um, and that if things do come up, like the blues, or if 
things do come up that you don't quite understand, you now have that knowing because your your sisters and your and the elders have all spoken to you about these things. And um and part of the work that I've been doing is helping people to move into rites of passage. Um, I know we're going to talk about the mental health stuff, but I, I really feel like the the things that happen in terms of um, the the mental health, um, in terms of the imbalances that you were just speaking about, had to do with that lack of rites of passage, had to do with the lack of holding, um, the lack of understanding on a spiritual level. So um, my message, if I have just one today, would be um, to... Uh, allow yourself to be held in these different transformations that are happening within your life and seeking some type of earth connection, some type of spiritual connection to help hold you through the transformations and the transitions that that you may be coming into and evolving into uh, within your life. Mm, Thank you so much for speaking to that. And I agree. I agree. It's so important. And it, it, because there's a disorientation every time you transition into a new stage of life and then not having community is actually insane it is crazy it's like the most also one of the most dysfunctional aspects of uh you know society where we feel like um you're you're also meant to just do everything alone (laughs) and figure things out and that's what we do and i think it it's uh, thank you for speaking to that because I just through the lens of motherhood because it's it was only two years ago that I became um, a mother here and uh, now looking around at women that I know and and also women I don't but just seeing mothers everywhere I feel there's a lot of trauma that has just happened through that experience of becoming a mother or becoming a parent or or giving birth and not being prepared for what it entails because it's a whole world in itself it, there's so much and I, I I read books but I couldn't I couldn't really read books I was like I don't um it doesn't it doesn't feel like a um intellectual thing either there's certain things just by mirroring and seeing one another in these spaces and then even just feeling yeah that support and being less alone I think is one of the biggest um components so yeah and i you have an incredible rites of passage sort of um, course, right? Like a sort of mentorship that you offer as well as your individual sessions. So I I encourage everyone if they're seeking that sort of guidance or um, needing some just support because we need support, right? We're not meant to do this all alone here on earth. I, where can they find you? Um, Gogoikaya? Sangomahealing.com. Uh is, is my website and uh, my email is love at sangomahealing.com mm, beautiful thank you so much thank you thank you <laughs> Hannah for having me <laughs> you know I was thinking about something you talked about when I was in uh, the institutionalized in the psychiatric ward um, there was a, a lady with me or uh, within the group of people that were there and hospitalized and it was like a locked facility so we couldn't go out and um, she had recently had a baby and just a beautiful spirit beautiful spirit uh, she had gotten married 
um, and had a baby and everything was so-called normal for her. Um, but after she had her baby, they committed her to the psychiatric ward because they recognized um, that she was under psychosis. Like she was not, she was, she didn't come out of the space of after giving birth. We know that when we give birth, like we go into altered space in order to facilitate this child and this spirit and this soul coming in through this physical being, the portal that we have, that is our womb. Um, and when I look back on that, I, so I noticed that her portal hadn't closed. Like the portal, she was still open and she was still in that other realm. And um, it was so tragic to see because I, I saw like she would have what looked like an outburst um, or a illusion or a delusion and they would come and literally there would be like five nurses coming at her and then they would put her in a padded room and they actually injected her um, uh, with medications. And even then, I didn't know anything much about spirituality, but I knew that what they doing, what they were doing was not right and that I knew in, in my spirit that she needed something different. And so she became my friend um, in the during the during um, our hospitalization and just talking to her and and us talking to each other, that was a little bit of community that I could find, you know, in the space that I was in to say, wow, like there's, I don't, I really felt like there was nothing wrong with her. It was just that she was um, still somewhere else. She hadn't found her grounding um, back into the physical realm all the way. Um, so yeah, it just made me think of that when we were, we were just talking and how um, there's so many ways that we can view Western society's labels and, dis and dysfunctions, you know, from the DS DS uh, DSM, yeah, and and really look at those from a spiritual eye and see something different. Wow, thank you for sharing that story. I think it's yeah, it's also one of the things that is not being spoken about enough or. I mean, at all in my in my sort of periphery, I yeah, I believe that to be true. There's this there's this thing that happens, which is so beautiful and magical because it's so physical and humanly giving birth, and then it's also so spiritual and emotional. And my 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 birth to my first son was uh, interesting because I I found myself with like not good support and so they were constantly interfering with my connection to my myself and what I knew was happening or what I needed to do next I had very clear and I at that up until the point of being pregnant had really for the years prior had really learned to trust my intuition and really started to feel very strong in my guidance but then when it came to pregnancy, I mean, very early on, I had this very clear vision and dream that I was meant to give birth by myself in the jungle. And then fear started to creep in and also outside family and my partner just wanting, um, you know, not feeling even like good that it should be at home, you should be at a hospital and then at least have midwives and so forth. And then I left it pretty late and so that these midwives became like were recommended, but there was something karmic or something very interesting. I felt like I was holding space for them 
and they were in a lot of fear and in a lot of paranoia. But it was, it was also an interesting mirror again of just me not listening to myself and not trusting that actually, no, this is how it needs to be done because I had a clear insight. So that quickly unraveled to the place where I was like, I need to get to a neutral space now. I do not feel good in my home. And so we ended up to the hospital and then it came with um, a bunch of complications. But that, that space that I'd entered into, I felt also too open afterwards. Like I didn't have a ritual of being, of closing. And then I was also just, you know, immediately a mother. And that's when I spoke about the miscarriage being so healing because it finally felt I was able to heal two and a half years later, that ex first experience through the miscarriage where I got to give birth by myself and transform pain into pleasure and to feel my breath and the ability to work um, yeah, with all parts, spirit, emotion, and um, the body. And so that's what I, why it was so cool. And then to also have this, obviously, this relationship with death again is always, it's my, I think, my greatest teacher. But um, yeah, I really felt that nearly like too open and too not able to anchor. And I think it's, Again, I'm so glad you shared that story because I think a lot of women will have the utmost fear of becoming that, to have um, psychosis or some form. And then the, the then added trauma of being in an institution where you're not understood or recognized and, um, and, then, and then so on. So we'll just go right into the whole mental health journey and it's such a deep, important topic. I've... Yeah, I'll begin just by sharing that uh, I've had this theory for a long time that ever since I started to learn more about history, about the feminine perspective, that this was a huge component, this attack on the feminine, um, and particularly with um, healers and women who were connected to herbs and to prophecy and to, you know, um, all things that they were um, targeted and prosecuted and sexually tortured and um, yeah, just it made it go all underground and also I think wipes the memory from generations of women of that was part of our story. Um, and then uh, when we look at today, this fear around being abnormal or fear of anything like that, um, it's really the ultimate, I mean, it's a, a loop that doesn't stop because you're constantly in fear, but you're you're like not getting able to get past that. Um, yeah, and I've been so excited to speak to you and and your journey. Um, yeah, whatever you whatever you would like to begin with that um, your own experience through through that. Yeah, um, it, when what I hear you saying in in that is in terms of, of women um, being stigmatized and, and put to death and all the, th all the trauma that we experience, that, that memory is still within us. And there is this push and pull um, that takes place uh, in terms of really stepping into your power, accepting like who you are and the frequency. And that, that warring it's definitely something that I experience, and I say warring because 
I was um, during some of my periods as periods of what Western medicine would call psychosis, I definitely felt like that I was in a war. There was like this activation that was happening uh, within me that seemed very positive, but um, there was also so many years and so many even ancestral memories and so many things that were so used to being suppressed that um, the energy that was attempting to emerge within me um, had to almost combat the suppression (laughs) and the um, uh, through ancestral historical trauma, through the trauma that I experienced as a child, through um, the shadow aspects, all the negativity, all the hurt, all the things that have been pressed upon our shoulders. And and so there was absolutely this break in, in confusion um, that took place. So the break um, is where I began to see the darkness, all the things that were suppressed come alive. And I could also witness a glimpse of light trying to come in as well. And I was, I felt very attached to the old story um, at times. And when I was attached to that old story, the more that the negative vibration, the, the, the vibration of suppression, all those things began to emerge. But the powerful light in my divine ancestral guardians, the one who chose me to, to come into this lifetime, this, or me choosing to come into this lifetime, that ancestor that chose um, to bring its medicine forward through me in this life was having to to spark light on all of this painful history, all of this painful trauma. And um, that on the outside world looked like this person's crazy. She's not present. She is in another world like um She's, you know, and it, and, it, and it caused me to clam up. So I would get extremely depressed. I had major depressed. I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And then because I became so isolated and separate, separated because I didn't want to be seen as the crazy person, that separation um, led me to another event, which was what Western medicine would call auditory hallucinations and visual hallucinations. Those things became present. And in the Sangoma tradition, we see those as being a seer or being connected to, you know, the voice hearing so that you can hear the divine spirits that are with you. Um, And at the time, it was more tormenting for me because there was all this trauma um, that needed to be dealt with and that was coming up. Um, all those debris were coming up for me to see them. And um, because I didn't know and the people around me didn't know, it caused me to be hospitalized. It caused me to have um, be on um, many different medications. I think uh, at the most at one time I was on 16 different pills. I mean, uh, 16 pills every day. And it was all suppressing something like helping me to sleep or, you know, I, I was completely numb. I remember the first time that I had got on medication. I, you know, your children come around you, and when they do something funny, you laugh because that's what you know. Your children bring them a, a beautiful amount of joy in your life, and I felt, I saw myself not even being able to connect to the joy of my children, um, and so there was just 
all these different components and I was confused on which way to go, what direction to go. Like, I don't need to be on these medications, but at the same time, I don't want to have these thoughts, these visions, these impulses. Um, so yeah, that's really where my, my journey began. And eventually I got to a point where I started to um, wonder about meditation and think about what did my ancestors before all of this, like what were they doing when these problems occurred? And it just kind of led me to shamanism. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that that journey because I think it's so helpful for any of us because I think we're all experiencing um, some aspects of that to the extreme or to just in subtle ways all the time um, to start reframing that so that, I mean, I think one of the heavy, one of the hardest things to move through is the shame and the it's nearly like you just need one person to see you through that experience in in a different way um, to actually help support. But then we have this again collective fear, dysfunction, this like um, judgment. It makes us all shut down. It makes um, it difficult to also talk about these things so that we can also um, yeah broaden the broaden the perspective and the understanding of this um yeah important journey and how it shows up in different ways also but each of our stories are like little um keys or medicines um uh, out in the world and how how fortunate that you were able to find your teacher and your lineage how did that um how did that come how did that come that meeting so yeah, I, I had this um, call towards shamanism and I started to, like, at the time, find any um, teaching, a book, a podcast, anything that I could find on um, shamanism. And I started to listen to a podcast by Sangoma and she also had history of um, uh, sexual abuse and and trauma in her childhood. And so just everything about her energy really resonated with me. And um, I decided to go and get a divination. Um, and so I set up a, a consultation with her and I had wrote down a list of questions of like that I wanted to know and get answered. Um, and when we got on the Skype call, she did a divination for me. She couldn't see my paper and she had actually answered all the questions that I had and I hadn't even asked anything. She just began to speak and say all of these things and it was a really powerful moment. And everything that I had been thinking and considering was confirmed. And one of the last things that she told me is that I had priesthood responsibilities, that I was not crazy. Um, she knew things about me um, and my mental health status. She knew so many different things um, that really made me believe and trust um, that what she was saying was definitely resonating in, in authenticity with me. And so, yes, she, she told me, she was like one of the first spiritual people to tell me, you know what, you're not crazy. Actually, this is a gift and you just need to, to cultivate uh, these experiences that you're having. 
And so from there, I was like, just tears were pouring out because it was like, finally, I was being told something that I knew that rang true within my spirit. Um, and, and I felt understood in that moment. And um, I decided to go towards initiation from there. It didn't take me long. I didn't have a ton of questions. I was just like, how do we get started? <laughs> because I knew for me, this initiation process was about life or death. Um, I was very suicidal. You know, I had attempted uh, suicide many times before, and I didn't want to keep living in that cycle. I didn't want to. I really wanted something. And I was asking spirit, like, how do I spin out of this? You know, and um, she saw me for for who I was um, before I even knew who I was. And um, yeah, I started the process right away. Wow. It's so it's so incredible. And do you find, yeah, just through your work, you attract a lot of clients who've had similar experiences? Yes, absolutely. I would say at least 60% of um, the people that I work with have been either suffering uh, from depression or hearing voices or seeing visions um, or have been, you know, diagnosed with a, a mental health condition. Um and also, I, I also see in that in that com, um, that component of people is that you know sometimes people aren't suffering from it; they just have uh, an overwhelming sensory um, sensory uh, gifts, and so those those gifts come out in the way where they're able to see things, but they still don't have that acknowledgement. So, I get. Um, many different clients from many different backgrounds, some still on medication, some recently just out of the psychiatric ward, others who are grounded in their own process, but they know they have these ultra sensitivities and they need help sorting it out. Wow. So, um, yeah, again, I'm so grateful for this perspective through, through your lens of healing and, and your own personal experience being this, um, this clear example of how you can see very differently um, what we would describe as, you know, sometimes extreme mental health conditions. And um, in, as my understanding is that across um, many indigenous groups, the, there's just not even really the same conversation around mental health or it's a completely different way of seeing. Do you feel... Um, like a large proportion of these um, extreme cases are meant to be in some way healers or connected to a certain path? Or is it a whole spectrum also within that? I feel like it, the, there's absolutely a whole spectrum in that. So it may not be that everyone with these uh, experiences um, or abilities um, are called into a shamanic tradition. Um, a lot of them are. But it can also um, be very just a, a call for healing, you know. Um, so someone, for instance, for me, it was very dual or maybe many different things that took place. There was like, again, that that trauma, that ancestral trauma that I had to clear up, the physical trauma that I had to also clear up. Um, so 
one thing that I think a lot of us experience or have experienced is the, the energy of anxiety. And I like to look at that as like the spirit of anxiety. If you look at it as an energetic thing, like a red alarm button within you saying, okay, there's something for you to now look at. There's something that you are not addressing. Um, there's there's a message that comes with this anxiety. It's not just there, you know, it's not just this random thing. It's definitely a message from your body, your spirit, and your mind that, that are coming forward. In, and how do we begin to work with the energy of anxiety or the spirit of anxiety? First, you know, going into a space where you're asking, okay, spirit of anxiety, I see that you're here. What is your message? You know, just taking a moment to settle in and, and be and honor um, the, the energy that's coming forward. Um, same thing with um, other, other things like uh, schizophrenia. They, they, they label it schizophrenia. And someone's portal, um, energetic portal may be open due to trauma. So there's something that happened for me as a child when I was traumatized that that portal just remained open and it never got to mend or close. It's just like a wound being open. And now the wound, because I never had the opportunity or the access to take care of the wound, it became vulnerable to bacteria. It started to eat up things. It started to shift and 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 now the wound is not just a slice. It's like this bigger thing, this bigger entity now that needs to be resolved. And unfortunately, sometimes the wounding grows so big that we get outside of ourselves. So or we come outside of ourselves because we can no longer sit in the body the way his, that we're meant to sit in the body. And so we'll experience um, leaving the body. Like this is how people come un ungrounded or needing things like soul retrieval because now the pieces of us have been dispersed out. And so it may be that that person doesn't need to initiate into a priesthood or a sangoma or another shaman tradition or anything, but they just need a recalling of those pieces. They need to um, support in having that wound looked at, cleaned up, all the bacteria taken out, all of the stuff that it's been attracted to it because what what the wounding attracts is negativity and it's, it's it festers negativity. I see people who have been diagnosed with things like bi bipolar, where there's this mood, um, this mood shift that's happening. And um, sometimes, and, and not in all cases, but this is just one example, there are many examples, um, that when our portals and our uh, our energetic body when it's not all protected and it's it's not all grounded and clear then we become vulnerable and so maybe that person has a gift where they um, can channel or possess other energies and then because they don't know that and the portal is open, then other energies, they will take it on. As an empath, they will take it on. They will take on um, an ancestral spirit that maybe was, you know, not even yours that, you know, that is here in this earthly realm, but sees your light and wants to gravitate to that. And so now you're channeling things 
and the mood is shifting and you're going outside of yourself and you're doing things that your family don't under, doesn't understand and the people around you don't understand and you're acting out of character because you are you have the ability to to channel you have the ability to step into trans states and 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 um and possession states and so with that person they would need to like again clean up a lot of cleaning up you know um opening the that closet door and getting all of those debris out and all of that mess out of the way and purging all of those things so that now you can stand in in stability and now you can begin to turn that gift of channeling into your light beings that want to come through. Now your portal is is closed in a way that you're only attracting certain energies and you're attracting the divine God and God gods and goddesses that hey, that your ancestors um, worked with and, and praised and, and venerated in their lives. Um, so there's many, many different um, reasons and aspects of understanding why um, the portals begin to open, why we're shifting, why we're having certain things that, um, you know, mental health imbalances. And it can be because of a calling and it can also be because there just needs to be a call for healing. Mm, I think I think I experienced just an, like tasters of all those things just to, um, like we've touched on already, have that compassion and awareness because I, as I entered into the sort of spiritual path I had this moment where I felt possessed and I carried for a few days um, this sense of me not really being there or making the full decisions and at the same time still there and luckily I had a friend who was able to uh, really like see it and clear it and and shift that for me and then also yeah touching these yeah experiencing different things and realizing where I've been checked out or I and I see that also in others where we check out or we numb or we, and it nearly invites other energies in and it made it, it like you said cleaning it's like a constant process even for me in the house just physically cleaning is such an important aspect of that and um yeah personally cleaning and and just really um paying attention to that space do you have any like um just at home recommendations for people if they're feeling disorientated or um, absolutely yeah. one of my okay so you know we're always um working with the elements and one of one of the most powerful elements that I tend to go to is the element of water <laughs> and um there's a simple, like when you're feeling ungrounded or if there's this, um, you know, you're having any of these things and there's something that, and it's light and you feel like there's something that you can also work with yourself. One of the practices that I love to do is uh, taking a cold shower. Um, so the, the cold water represents and mimics the energy of the of the sea and of the rivers and the streams, okay? So when we're able to connect with the energy of water, um, we know that water is malleable, that we can speak into water and it changes the frequency of energy within itself and the water that is existing within us. So I love to use the magic of water, whether that is like... Um, 
going in the shower and having no matter if it's, you know, cold winter or in the summer, I do it um, when I need to feel um you know, grounded, or if 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 I have some existential things that are happening, then I will take a cold shower and I will pray to the spirit of the water and I give gratitude to the spirit of the water. Um, even in my shower, it works, you know. And then having that cold water just come and flow over my body, and I say something simple like I release or I cleanse, you know. And I'm and I'm just honoring the spirit of the water and the power that it can do to change his. Um, a situation shift in in, in energy. Um, And so, yeah, taking that cold shower. Another thing is using water and, you know, speaking into the the glass of water, Um, all of your prayers, all of your intentions, sending love and then drinking that medicine because now it's, it becomes medicine. It It already is medicine, but you're, when you're speaking at a higher frequency into it, it's changing. Right. And now that frequency is also within you and in the body. So yeah, the water is definitely like really simple technique, but a powerful technique for cleansing. I love that. And it's, it's, it's true. It's, I feel, um, I feel good again after I swim in the river or I swim in the ocean or yeah, the shower. And the, it's funny that you say the cold shower, because I've heard this a lot. It's become very popular as well as an awareness of anti-aging and staying vital and healthy. And it's like a whole movement, but it's something, um, I still resist cause I love warmth and I love, but I, I think, I think that will be a really important thing for me to start doing more cold showers. I think it'll help. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely loving the warm. Like I like to have a really nice hot shower or bath. Um, But that something about the shock, it definitely helps to reset something in the mind and spirit in the body. And this is, again, an ancient practice, you know, uh, hopping from like a hot thing to a cold is shifting to cold, like those things um, really rejuvenate not only the mind and the body, but also the spirit. And I love that because I love, I think my work at this time is really um, finding the patterns across cultures and across history, across time. And like you said, that these rituals we have around bathing and yeah, cold and then hot and then that, um, those two, yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly that. And well, I'm just so excited to, um, yeah, for members of this community to hear more from you and to hear like your whole journey. You've already been so kind with your time and what you've shared. And um, I'd love if, if there's anything else um, just for this segment that you would like to speak to in terms of mental health. I would, again, point everyone to the film Crazy Wise just to get that insight of um a few different stories as well of how um, we can look at mental health differently and just begin to um, really hopefully broaden the conversation more and more so that anyone, wherever they are in the world, and even if you know someone, um, you can help see them differently and see yourself differently and just gain um, that guidance towards healing. It's really powerful. So yeah, thank you so much. And yeah, anything you want to speak to, yeah, to close or, yeah. I just, I honestly just want to give gratitude for um, this opportunity. Um, I know you had mentioned that we first met at Soul Sea Gathering and just knowing 
the power of your work. This has been, I was definitely a little bit nervous at first because I know um, how, how beautiful you, you um, and how hard you work. Uh, and, um, and I'm just really, really grateful to be in your presence, to witness your spirit and witness your journey, uh, even when we first met at Soul Seed. So um, I pray for continued blessings and, and love and protection and support in all of your, your projects and all that you give to us as a community. And I, I, I truly give thanks. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. That means so much. I, I also was nervous. Is this... I, I feel there's, yeah, there's so much I want to speak to. Like, I feel like my mind goes in so many different directions. But um, thank you for being, yeah, the first official guest on this podcast. And then um, also allowing, yeah, to speak to this subject within the Soul Seed House. It really helps ground the research of, like, I, I, I look through all the academic papers. I try and find, like, what are people talking about? What is being said? What is being shown? And then to make it alive by speaking to people and making it integrated into our everyday life. So it also has purpose um, for us. It doesn't just remain dead to the page, this sort of artifact of knowledge or wisdom or, or so forth. To have this conversation is everything to me. And it makes me feel also super blessed and just so grateful to know you on this path. And to also... I really hope to point people in the direction of, uh, I think, just um, integ people in integrity, healers and in integrity. I think the space is getting, um, it's kind of, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of things that sound the same. There's a lot of things that can um, sound good, but uh, really trusting our feelings and um, knowing, yeah, just knowing you again has been such a beautiful beautiful thing thank you thank you to Koza <laughs> blessings <laughs> thank you for listening if you received a lot from this conversation or knowledge share consider supporting us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month this can be found at patreon.com forward slash gathering you can also make a one-time donation directly on our website, soulseedgathering.com. It is here you can also become a Soul Seed House member and receive these conversations and interviews first, alongside bonus content, transcripts, and this incredible growing library of deep feminine earth-based cultural knowledge. You can also become a Patreon Bloom Fund member. This allows you to support a country or culture or theme or focus that is needing greater awareness and attention in the world we are entirely independently funded so far so thank you for every single amount offered to us it really means so much and a special thanks to our post-production by Jack Palmer for Alma Chrome. And special thanks to Temple of the Way of Light for offering us this recording by Olivia Aravello, the incredible Shabibo medicine woman, no longer with us, sharing her Ikoro, her medicine song. This was weaved into an incredible track by Jack Palmer. So again, thank you and sending so much love to wherever you are in the world.